the fantasy football Welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. I am Mike Hume. Hi, I'm Des Beeler, and I think people need to stop criticizing Kevin Durant. He is a great basketball player and a very nice person. I'm Jeff Dooley, and I'm feeling pretty good about that Derrick Henry pickup on the waiver wire from last week. Nice move there, Jeff. Why was he on the waiver wire? What kind of league are you in? Should have been drafted. Somebody dropped him. That was foolish. I'd like to be in that league. Well, you might have dropped him, too. <laughs> that, was, that wasn't the post-league, was it? Should I have been on, should I have been on top of that? It okay, good. All right, well, week two is in the books, and now it is time to separate fact from fiction. We are going to question your beliefs this week, namely whether or not you believe in some of the leaders on the fantasy leaderboard. The leaders on the leaderboard. Yes, okay. not at all redundant. Redundancy aside, let's move on to the big idea. The big idea. Get him off your team. Drop him now. He could be the surprise of the 2017 season. That guy is a walking ACL tape. Oh, yeah. He's a major sleeper. All right, guys. So looking at the top 20 fantasy players through week two, we definitely see some rather curious names on the list. Others, less surprising. So I mentioned before, Trevor Simeon does not seem too likely to remain on the top 20 list heading into the latter stages of the season. Another hand, On the other hand, a guy like Kareem Hunt, probably going to be a fantasy mainstay for everyone going forward. I think we're all in agreement there. But some of these other, other names are going to be a little bit more divisive. So let's start with Alex Smith. Quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, never really one of the top quarterbacks in fantasy football or the NFL at large, for that matter. Definitely dominating through the first two weeks, though. Guys... Can he be trusted going forward? Is he a top 10 quarterback for the rest of the year? I say no. I think it's an impressive start. I think the Chiefs are for real, and I think Alex Smith is sort of, he knows this is probably his last uh, season in Kansas City. They drafted Patrick Mahomes in the first round, traded up to do so. Uh, But I think sort of what he's done through two weeks is probably unsustainable. It's typically a more conservative passing offense. Yep. Uh, I like some of those other guys in the offense better, but... I'm not putting him in the top 10 category, but definitely a good spot starter. Uh, depending on how your starting QB draft pick has turned out, he's someone to look at, but I don't think he's going to be top 10 fantasy quarterback this year. Yeah, I mean, if you drafted him to fill in for Andrew Luck, for instance, you're loving it. I mean, yeah. you, you got the number one QB through two weeks. Uh, but yeah, he's never been better than 13th best in fantasy and usually a lot lower down than that. I mean, there's a reason why he's routinely ranked around 20th or somewhere. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of weapons, I mean, really, if you think about it. So he does have to be super efficient, which he has been. Right. He's completed 77.8% of his passes, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. But we already saw him come down to earth. I mean, this past week, he didn't have that great of a game. He had one touchdown pass. So, you know, I think we can expect maybe something between those two performances going forward. The Chiefs should be good. But, yeah, I don't think they're going to be a prolific offense. Here's my one counter to that, and that is the quality of some of the other quarterbacks in the league right now. There's not a lot of competition for that 9-10 spot right now that I'm seeing, at least. Obviously, that can change. But what I like about Alex Smith is what you mentioned, Des. They have some good weapons in Hunt, Travis Kelsey, Well, Tyree I said he Hill. didn't have a lot of weapons. But, oh, yes, well, the weapons they have pretty darn good ones Yeah, the weapons there. they have are pretty nice. So my, my counter would be that uh, uh, he is in a system that rewards uh, efficiency. He can be an efficient ball manager of a quarterback. And he can let Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt and Travis Kelsey do some of the work with their legs. Moving on. Chris Thompson of the Washington Redskins seems like he could be in line for a larger role if Robert Kelly is to miss time starting in week three with a fractured rib. Do we think he is a top 
20, let's say, running back going forward? I say no on this one as well, um, mainly because of the touchdowns. He's had three touchdowns through two games. Um, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if he certainly if he doesn't score another three touchdowns the rest of the season. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I think in PPR, if you picked him up, that was a savvy move. I think there's opportunity there, uh, depending on on sort of the game flow that the Redskins find themselves in against the Rams. They really dedicated to the run. I don't think Chris Thompson is going to be the go-to guy in that. He's he's their third down back. Uh, so PPR value fringe flex uh, starter. Not a top twenty fantasy running back. Yeah, I mean he has he has six carries for eighty one yards and two touchdowns. I mean that is yeah. I believe that's unsustainable. Not to get too advanced metric on you guys, but yeah, <laughs> I don't think we can continue to see that going forward. And, and Jay Gruden, I think, pretty much came out and said the other day they don't want him to get too many touches. They don't think he can stand up to the workload. Looks like Samaj P. Ryan would get most of the carries if Kelly does miss time. C.J. Anderson of the Denver Broncos on pace to be, I believe, the top running back in terms of workload heading into the end of the season. Or, um, yeah, he has, he has the most touches through most two touches weeks. Most touches through two weeks. So if Thank you, you uh, extrapolate that. that, that would yes. continue to be the most touches by the yes, end of the season. Yes, it would. All right. But can he do it with the gusto? Can he perform yeah. at the high level? Des, I, I think he can. Are you a believer? I'm, I'm more or less a believer in the sense of the question is, can he, you know, does he seem like a good bet to finish the season as a top 10 member in his position? I think he does at this point. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think you have to remember going into the season, there were a lot of questions about that situation with the Broncos. We talked about it a lot on some Many. of our preview shows, but, you know, I think a lot of those questions have been answered in the affirmative for C.J. Anderson. Uh, you know, I, and, and sometimes, like, too much knowledge is a bad thing in fantasy when, you, when you're in the position of having to sort of predict things like, I don't know how many casual fantasy players would have looked at the Broncos and thought, oh, it's super murky. What about Devontae Booker? What, what about this D'Angelo Henderson character? You know, right. they probably would have thought, oh, C.J. Anderson's there. Yeah, top Jamal, of the depth chart. Yeah, Jamal Charles is probably washed up. As it turns out, he doesn't look all that washed up, but mm-hmm. I don't think Jamal Charles is really a threat to become the, the lead back there. So I think it's really just a matter of can C.J. Anderson stay healthy, which mm-hmm. is, of course, a problem he's had during his career. But, uh, you know, if, as long as he stays on his feet, I think there's no reason to think he can't be a top 10 back. I say no. I, I think those are all valid points, Des, and I, I, I'm not saying like C.J. Anderson isn't a fantasy starter. I don't think he ends up finishing the top 10. I think the injury, uh, the health risks are still there. Uh, I don't think the Broncos' offense is going to be as good as it was through two weeks. Uh, that line's a huge issue. Their first-round pick, Garrett Poles, yeah, that's a problem. Uh, just got injured. Uh, the tackle. Um, so, so I think some of those concerns are still there. And I, I do think Jamal Charles is a threat over the course of the season. So that's why I'd mm-hmm. say top 10, I wouldn't place that bet right now, but a good start. If you drafted him, he's, he's doing the job for you. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, just can't see the, I just can't see the Broncos wanting to push it with Jamal Charles. I think they know they have a really good thing here. I mean, there were questions whether his career would even be able to continue. I think giving him 10 to 12 touches a game is probably about what you want to see from them. You know, and if, if we could just touch on, I know we, we dismissed Trevor Simeon as, as a top 10 guy, but I think it is an interesting case because he's a number two scoring quarterback. And I think a lot of what we're thinking about in terms of C.J. Anderson definitely depends on Simeon continuing to be a good quarterback and being right. able to move that offense. And I think to that point, yeah, his stats are likely to fall off. I mean, he's thrown, he's scored seven touchdowns. He has one rushing, six passing through two games. That's, that's not going to continue. But I think we all like what we've seen from him. The question is, what happens when the Broncos hit the road? They've, had two, they've started the season with two games at Denver, which right. obviously they have a tremendous home field advantage. So I think you know, we'll see a lot from this offense this week. They go to Buffalo. It's not the toughest matchup, but it's a cross-country trip. Uh, you know, so we'll, we'll get some questions answered about that. Yeah, and have been yep. good against the run, like you mentioned there, Jeff. J.J. Nelson, Scott Allen, and I touched on him in our Sunday recap. Arizona's most prolific wide receiver at the moment. Not a good start for Carson Palmer, though. 
Can J.J. Nelson remain a top 20 wide receiver through the end of the season? Well, it would have been a lot worse start for Carson Palmer if it weren't for J.J. Nelson hauling that in a, a long pass at the end zone. And actually, I give Palmer a lot of credit for throwing a fantastic ball there. And I've been a sort of a, a, a Palmer backer so far, and I continue to be. I, I think you might see better play from Palmer going forward. It, a lot of that depends on the offensive line. But wait, were we talking about J.J. Nelson? Right. Uh, I do not see him remaining anywhere near the top 10 as the season goes along. I mean, he's not even... Top 20, though? Top t- No, I don't see that either. So I mean, not, a, not a fantasy starter. Right, not a fantasy starter. I mean, for next, for this week, for sure, you know, and maybe the week after. A lot of it depends on John Brown, right? Like, John Brown has had a recurrence of his sickle cell trait issues, and it's really a sad issue with him because he's such a talented wide receiver and he just can't stay on the field. But it's not like he, this isn't a season-ending injury. Like, it's kind of week to week. And as soon as he comes back, I think he re-enters the starting lineup, assuming he's at full strength. And actually, in his absence, Jaron Brown, or Jaron Brown, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, uh, he's been the starter, too, and he was targeted 11 times in that game. Mm-hmm. I think Nelson is a deep threat, and with deep threats, I think it's always kind of hit or miss. Like, he, ha- he caught his deep ball last week, and thus right. he had a huge game. Right. This right. week, he might not catch that deep ball and, and go four for 40 or something. Yeah, I continue to think Larry Fitzgerald is the, is the receiver you want week in, week out from the Cardinals offense. Maybe the only Cardinals player, period, in fantasy you want week in, week out. But um, I, I, I agree that there's sort of a boomer bust aspect. If you need to start somebody, you got him on your team, you know, he could end up getting you, you know, 18, 20 points. But you can't count on that week to week, I don't think. Yeah, I like him on my roster, but not necessarily in my starting lineup. In, in best ball formats, though, he's, he's a great ad. Exactly, exactly. All right. Now, we talked about the Chiefs earlier, and we talked about this player, Tyreek Hill. In our pre-show discussions, he seems to be the most divisive guy on the list. Jeff, you don't necessarily see him as a wide receiver one for the rest of the season. I do, and Dez is, let's say, pondering. <laughs> That's what I put on the show list, yes. I am, quote, pondering. I think right. I'm still pondering. What does so that mean? <laughs> well, you go ahead. it means go ahead and have talk, Jeff, and then I'll make up my mind. <laughs> well, we'll see if Dez comes to a conclusion by the end of this segment. I think... Uh, I think the boomer bust aspect is is very uh, present with Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. He's not running. He's still not running a traditional route tree, um, and so I just don't think you can count on him. The big plays is, is too uh, too important to his production to count on him week to week. Um, that said, he will have some big games, but you know even even his his huge touchdown catch against the Patriots, like it was kind of a kind of a missed coverage there. Uh, so right. they had the perfect play on against that coverage. Uh, and he, he runs untouched into the end zone. The explosiveness is there. I don't, I don't see it week to week. I think he's a, he's a wide receiver too. Uh, flex, certainly, uh, if you're sort of loaded uh, on your roster there. Uh, I don't think he's a wide receiver one uh, through, through the rest of the season. So here's the source of my belief, and it's the same reason I like Alex Smith to end up in the top 10, uh, which is probably a little bit controversial, and that's the Chiefs are going to get on the ball. They know what they have in him. They know his explosive talent. They know what he can do with the ball in his hands. They will hand the ball off to him if they have to. They will run screens for him. They will find him in the flat. They will do anything they need to do to get the ball in his hands, probably between uh, – eight to ten times a game, and you could sort of take that to the bank. Uh, you couldn't I, take it to a bank last week. He only had four catches for 43 yards, I think, and that goes to but the what, what, what was his target? Thing. What was his target rate, though? Right, so we, he had four carry, uh, four receptions for 43 yards. He had six targets altogether, plus they gave him one carry for seven yards. So that's okay, so it's one off. Right, but it, that's seven opportunities, mm-hmm. which isn't a ton for a, a lead guy in a game that was pretty competitive against the Eagles, a game they needed to win. So I think that does go a little bit more to what Jeff was saying, and I think I think that was something that I've been been wondering about Tyreek Hill too, the sort of the consistency, the boomer bust nature of it, and I think we've seen it through two weeks, and I think 
that is something that may ultimately keep him out of the top 20. And, you know, what's odd with him is he's so reliant on these big plays. And then we saw it in week one. There was another, like, 65-yard-plus right. touchdown. He had, like, four of those or three of those 75, last I think, yeah. Yeah, I, I just mean, like, if you combine with last year, he had, a, he had an inordinate amount of, like, 65-plus-yard touchdowns last year. I came into this, yard, this season thinking, like, that's kind of unsustainable. So he's going to need more volume. He's not getting, like, top-notch volume. So, yeah, I, I'm a little bit down on him the rest of the way as well. Well, sounds like you've reached your decision then. <laughs> yeah, Jeff talked me into it. Bad job by you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll do better this time. Carson Wentz of the Philadelphia Eagles has been sensational through the first two weeks, throwing the ball a ton. The Eagles offense is flying high. Jeff, I know you feel like I do, that Carson Wentz can keep this up all season long. You are, you and I are in agreement on this one, Mike. I think uh, – I think he's he's on the path to uh, NFL stardom, and I think fantasy QB stardom. Uh, I think Alshon Jeffrey, the addition of him, is really helpful on the outside. Clearly, he's they they sort of got in sync last week. Uh, his his receiving core. Torrey Smith hasn't done much yet, but clearly uh, his presence helps in terms of the uh, the deep passing game. Uh, there's some inconsistency in his game, but I think he's going to put up some big numbers. I don't think 300-yard passing games. I think I think we can count on those relatively consistently from him. Uh, so I, I think he's a fantasy starting quarterback. If you if you drafted him in your league, kudos because you probably got him uh, sort of as the 15th or 16th guy off the board. I I, I believe in him this year. I'm not I'm not as convinced. Uh, I mean, if, again, if the standard is top 10, I mean, there are just an awful lot of really good quarterbacks out there, and there are some guys like Russell Wilson who always seem to get off to slow starts. Yeah, uh, you know, and depend- worm their way in. Yeah, it's, and it sort of depends on how we want to factor in Andrew Luck if he ever gets back on the field and plays That's well. That's true. Uh, you know, so that, that top 10 could get stuffed full of uh, a lot of top-tier players pretty quickly. But, and, you know, the completion percentage concerns me a little bit. I mean, it does seem like he started off on fire, and they are throwing the ball a ton. He's completed 60% of his passes. Um, he's thrown 85 passes, which is, so, so, which is a lot. And they might keep that up, but I can't imagine the Eagles – want to throw it that much, that much volume over the course of the season. Maybe that's just how it'll play out because they sure don't look like they have a ton at, at running back. Right. Um, you know, and, and Wentz got off to a good start last year. Let's not remember through three games last year, I think he had like seven touchdowns and one interception, and everyone thought, oh, this, is, this guy's amazing. And then he kind of fell off the rest of the way. So to me, he still has some proving left to do. It's also worth noting, um, per FF Toolbox, the Eagles have – the fifth toughest strength of schedule versus QBs the rest of the way. The entire NFC East is sort of up against it in that sense. So, you know, there are a lot of there are gonna be a lot of difficult matchups for him. So, you know, I, I almost see Wentz as, as a sell high. If you can get like a, a better quarterback, if you can be like Russell Wilson, I would I would trade Wentz for Wilson right now. That's an interesting deal. I I, I think those are some really good points. The strength of schedule is significant. You have to look at that with a lot of different guys uh, coming up here. Uh, I just think I think the talent's going to win out with him. I think he's got a big arm. They're going to throw it a ton. He actually has real. <laughs> he does have a big arm, but you year. have to be you have to be accurate with it also. Yeah, for fantasy less so. <laughs> uh, Blake Bortles. I, I, I think there's Blake some. Bortles. I think there's some yeah. big numbers coming his way. W- w- one thing we didn't mention that that actually I do like about Wentz is the running, and I don't know if he'll keep this up, but he has eight carries for 61 yards through yeah. two games. If you can if you can average 30 yards rushing a game, that is really good for fantasy value. Speaking of rushing, out in Green Bay, Ty Montgomery, currently the number two scoring running back behind Kareem Hunt. He was a wide receiver, guys. He inherited the job halfway through last year. I don't think anyone expected him to be the number two scoring back at any point, more or less through week two. Can he remain a top ten running back? I think he can, and I'm going to jump ahead on the list here, too, because I I know we've got Todd Gurley listed down. I'm a big believer in both of those guys. 
I think we knew the talent was there. Uh, with Montgomery, maybe there were some injury concerns, but in each case, I think it's very clear they are one of the primary weapons in in those offense for the Packers and the Rams. In Gurley's case, I think he's the weapon for, for them, sure. uh, both in the passing game and the running game. They really leaned heavily on him against the Redskins. Uh, could have had an even bigger fantasy day if a couple plays had worked out. So I'm a big believer in both those guys. Uh, kudos to anyone who drafted them. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be more of the same. Maybe not number two for Montgomery, but they're going to be up there. Those are, those are RB1s the rest of the way. Yeah, I think the only thing that's a question mark on Ty Montgomery is whether or not he can hold up over the full season. But he certainly looks capable uh, in the short term, and he is definitely doing a lot of damage when he gets the ball in his hands. Yeah, he's, he's being used extensively. I mean, he was on the field for 74 plays in Week 1, 65 in Week 2, and obviously they were behind most of the game in Atlanta. So that, w- that figured to be a good game for Ty Montgomery if you think about him as the passing downs back for Green Bay. What's amazing is he's been the rushing downs back, too, yeah. almost entirely. I mean, all that preseason hype for Jamal Williams has really gone by the wayside. I don't think that we can assume that for the entire season Jamal Williams will be an afterthought or any of the other running back. They drafted three running backs. I don't know that we can assume that none of them will ever sort of cut into that pie, but I think for the time being, yeah, Montgomery looks like an absolute steal. Final name on our deliberations list one of the most accursed players of the 2016 season, Houston Texans wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. Seems to be in a little bit of a resurgence, perhaps finding some chemistry with fellow Clemson alum Deshaun Watson now at quarterback. Jeff, DeAndre Hopkins, can he keep it up, or will he fall back to the depths of 2016? I, I think you know he probably is going to fall between where he was in 2016 and his previous best, where he had sort of been quarterback proof. I mean, he's you right. know he's never really been uh, blessed with with an outstanding quarterback there in Houston. Uh, I think Watson taking over the starting job for Tom Savage is a good thing for the offense in general. It's also very clear they are they are force feeding Hopkins targets. Um, and I think a rookie quarterback having a comfort level with a guy he can throw it up. He can throw the 50-50 ball and feel pretty good about that with DeAndre Hopkins. So I, I think it can it continues. I think he's uh, he'll have a strong season just based on volume alone. And we know he's got talent, too. Yeah, I, I, he's a number seven wide receiver right now on a sort of ludicrous amount of targets. He has 29 targets through two games. That leads the NFL by four. The next guy is Dez, and I think the next player after that is Antonio Brown at 22. So a hu- pretty huge gap between Hopkins and, and the third guy on the list. Of those 29 targets, he's caught 14. Mm-hmm. So that's a kind of a red flag, and I think it goes to sort of the quality of quarterbacking he's received. Yeah, Watson and, has and, not been the most accurate guy. Right. Every pass is a 50-50 right. ball. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he had, one, he had one half of Tom Savage, too. So, But I agree, I agree with Jeff. It was, it was, if you're a Hopkins owner, you had to love the way Watkins just locked onto him and, and lobbed ball after ball in his direction. And if he keeps it up, and remember, two years ago when Hopkins had that fantastic season, I mean, he was getting peppered with targets, right. uh, especially early in the season. I think he had over 190, and then that fell to something like 150 last year, which is still a lot. But, you know, if those aren't high-quality targets, and they certainly weren't last year from Brock Osweiler, you know, then you, then you need that volume to sustain it. So long story short, I think it looks like he's going to get that volume that he had two years ago. He is a tremendously talented receiver, so I think that will keep him certainly in any top ten conversation. And I'll also say the, the running threat from Watson helps this offense. It just gives it one other dimension that Tom Savage is never going to provide. Defenses have to be thinking about something else where they're, you know, they just don't have that threat when Savage is in the game. Yeah, I, I think with Hopkins, it'll probably come down to touchdowns as to whether he actually finishes in the top 10 or not. That, that's a pretty iffy factor for the Texans. I don't know how efficient they're going to be in the red zone. But, Mike, you don't believe. No, I don't. Uh, and, <laughs> and it really just gets back to Hopkins. I, I, I don't see him as a terribly accurate passer right now. W- Watkins. Watson. Watson. <laughs> it takes a village. Well, it's tough with these Clemson guys. You have Sammy Watkins, DeAndre they're, Hopkins, they're everywhere. Deshaun Watson. Yeah, it's tricky. 
But anyway, the one thing I do like, as Des pointed out, was the, the target <laughs> the target volume is there. He is the guy catching right. passes in in Houston. But but they're low quality targets. I just want to mention the stat because it's pretty funny. Of his twenty nine targets, Pro Football Focus has deemed only fifteen of them catchable. Now, so he's, he's caught that's like, yeah, he's, he's caught fourteen of them. So obviously he's he's doing his job. It's and close he's, to a one to one. And he's twenty third in receiving yards, which is another factor. So that's that's why I think the volume will be there. The yardage and touchdowns a little bit questionable, but you know I think top ten it's a pretty good bet. All right, well, that concludes our long-term prognoses for some of the early fantasy stars. Now let's get to the short-term stock watch. Stock watch. Stock watch. <laughs> Who's up? Who's down? Who's sideways? Dez, give us a stock watch. All right, let's go with up. Uh, I'll, I'll ponder the sideways thing. I'm going to go back to ponder mode for that. But for the time <laughs> being, for up, which I have in front of me, uh, let's talk about a couple of Panthers. Uh, well, first of all, down would obviously be Greg Olson, broken foot on the IR. He's out for at least eight weeks. That opens up a lot of opportunities in that passing game. He was Cam Newton's favorite target. Cam Newton not off to the best start ever. But Christian McCaffrey was a guy that a lot of us had high hopes for, <clears throat> Jeff. So we <laughs> hopefully will see more from him. He's gotten off to a bit of a disappointing start. 21 carries for 57 yards on the ground. Uh, nine catches on 12 targets for 72 yards in two games. That's not what his owners are looking for. But I think with Olsen out there, uh, Newton's kind of going to have to be forced to look for McCaffrey in the middle of the field. I, and, and they're playing the Saints this week, so that's that always that's helps. stock up for anybody who's got that matchup. And I also want to mention Devin Funches, the number two wide receiver there, who's done some nice things in, in on some limited targets this week. I think you know he he's almost the functional equivalent of a tight end anyway. He's got the body and, and sort of the foot speed, unfortunately. So you know he might inherit a lot of that role as well. Yeah, I think McCaffrey. I think the opportunities have been there in the sense that. Cam's maybe not looking for him, maybe not used to that underneath threat. Right, and, and we saw Cam um, miss McCaffrey on a wide-open end zone throw, throw high, which has always been Cam's problem, throwing right. high, overthrowing his targets. So. Christian McCaffrey, unfortunately, not no. six foot seven, no. so it puts him at a disadvantage. <laughs> the only member of the, the uh, Panthers office <laughs> not top, uh, topping six seven. All right, let's move on. All right, uh, another guy stock up, Carlos Hyde. You know, I, I had pegged him as, as a buy low because I, I do like his talent and I do like his general situation in San Francisco. And he didn't have the hugest game in week one, and I thought, aha, now they're going to Seattle. He'll surely have a not very good game there, and mm-hmm. then he'll be the spy low guy. Well, how wrong I was. Carlos Hyde was, was terrific. I mean, he, went, he had 15 carries for 124 yards on the ground at Seattle, which, yeah. you know, which looked, you know, at home especially, is, is very hard to top. So, you know, and it looks like he's just about the only weapon they have there. The passing game didn't do much. But, again, at Seattle, you would expect that. But, you know, Kyle Shanahan, we know, has been able to dial up strong running attacks in the past. So I like Carlos Hyde as a player whose stock is very much up after that performance. Six targets in the passing game, encouraging to Hyde owners as well. Uh, the Redskins had a lot of success using some of the, the Rams' defensive line, that aggressiveness, that quickness against them, sort of with the power running game. So maybe we see some of that Thursday night uh, out of Hyde. All right, and, and quickly on the stock up, Jermaine Curse, number five wide receiver. We could have talked about him in the previous segment because he's very much on the leaderboard. I think we all agree that there's no way he's sticking around. So, But you have to, li- you have to like him as a consistent factor for the Jets so far. They really don't have anybody else to throw to. Somebody's yeah. got to do something with the ball, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we thought we thought Robbie Anderson would have some fantasy value as the number one guy. It looks like Curse is clearly that number one guy. All right, the David Johnson fallout we saw play out on Sunday. Kerwin Williams not exactly looking like a big beneficiary. Uh, no, he had nine carries for 22 yards last week at Indianapolis, which pretty much was his audition to become the feature back in place of David Johnson. And you'd have to say he flunked that audition, uh, especially because Chris Johnson, who they picked up Earlier in the week, they'd had Johnson last year, of course, and then they dropped him just before the season started. Then they picked him up in the wake of David Johnson's injury. Chris Johnson looked better. He had 11 carries of 44 yards. 
And it looks like he, I think it'll be a committee there no matter what, but it looks like Chris Johnson could very well be the leader of that committee. Uh, he turns 32 in just a couple days, so we'll see how long he holds up. But Kerwin Williams' stock is definitely uh, way down there. All right, another running back in week two who did not have that great of a week and might face a big threat going forward down in Tennessee. We got DeMarco Murray. Yeah, stock down on DeMarco Murray, a first-round pick or near the first round in, in most leagues. Uh, you know, we worried about Derrick Henry cutting into his workload, and that certainly happened last week while uh, DeMarco Murray uh, had three carries for 19 yards and apparently is suffering some from hamstring issues. Derrick Henry looked fantastic. He had 14 carries for 92 yards and a touchdown. This is on the Jaguars. You know, I think even if DeMarco Murray were, he- were completely healthy, you would still have to worry about a good-looking Derrick Henry, second-round pick last year, cutting into his workload. You know, if Murray's going to have hamstring issues, he could lose that starting job altogether yep. or at the very least be on the lesser side of a timeshare. I think if you're a DeMarco Murray owner, now's not a great time to trade him, but at the same time, if you hold on longer, his value could slip even more. Yeah, Henry uh, is a guy I picked up in my money league. You know, I think he's he eventually is going to be the guy there, whether that's a future season or not. Uh, they have to find opportunities for him. Former Heisman, Heisman winner, they use a second-round pick on him. He can do a lot of things. So I, I do think, especially if, if Murray's banged up, Henry's going to continue to get a share of the, the workload there in Tennessee. We talked about the Eagles doing a lot in the passing game. One guy who did not do a lot in Week 2, LeGarrette Blount. Yeah, I, he didn't. Yeah, not a lot is, is an understatement. He had zero <laughs> carries. He was in the stadium. It, it was yeah, there. He was, he, he was in uniform. Don't at him on Twitter. N- no. He requests that you not. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he doesn't want to hear about your fans, especially not now. I mean, he only went for 46 yards on 14 carries in week one, zero carries in week two. I'm not sure what they're going to do as far as running the ball. Maybe they'll just give it to Darren Sproles a, a whole lot. I wouldn't mind seeing that as a Sproles owner in a couple leagues. But yeah, blunt stock, very much down. And on that note, let's turn our gaze to the bargain bin. Value picks. All right, a couple guys that could be had cheap or somebody just to keep an eye on with a tasty matchup this week. Jeff, who you got your eye on? Kobe Fleener, tight end of the Saints. I've talked him up uh, quite a bit, possibly too much. Mm, <laughs> I'm possibly. overhyping him now, but I'm going to go with him again, playing against the Panthers. I just think the Saints offense is still figuring things out. Uh, he's a talented player in, in a passing offense that is going to have a ton of uh, a ton of opportunities. Um, and I, you know, he's gotten off to a strong start to the season. I really think he's a, a starting tight end in fantasy uh, until further notice. Yeah, I don't know. He's 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 being kept afloat here. I mean, his numbers look good. His his fantasy scoring numbers look good. But he scored a touchdown in both games. He had 54 yards receiving in the first week, 33 yards receiving last week. That would look like a terrible line if he didn't get in the end zone. So I'm not quite as high on Fleener. But you are a little higher on your name, Des. Danny Amendola? Really? Sure. I mean, I think people, exactly. People might have forgotten about Danny Amendola that in week one, it was like a couple Thursdays ago, it was a while ago, but he, uh, in Julian Edelman's absence, he was really the guy underneath for, for uh, Tom Brady who loves to throw those quick out kind of throws, those little square in throws. He had seven targets, caught six of them for 100 yards. Then, of course, in true Danny Amendola fashion, unfortunately, he got a concussion and he was out in week two. And I think a lot, of, a lot of owners may have soured on him. And I do think he's a guy where you're not going to be able to be able to expect to play him every week, but I think when he is playable, and we're going to have to check his update for this week, but when he is healthy and ready to go, I think he's an excellent asset, especially in PPR formats. Mike, am I seeing Jay Cutler on your list here? That is not a typo. For those who believe in streaming quarterbacks, here is your probably one of two chances to start Jay Cutler this season. Look, he's not bad. He's Jay Cutler. <laughs> He's not good, but he is good against the Jets because everyone's going to be good against the Jets this year. So I don't have long-term faith. If, I, if you're going to pick him up, make sure you can drop him the next week. 
but I like Jay Cutler against the Jets because they're giving up a ton of fantasy points, and the Dolphins have a pretty good receiving core between Jarvis Landry and Devontae Parker. That's the matchup in particular, the Parker matchup, that I uh, am pretty excited about. Parker's a must-start this week. I like Parker. Not as crazy about Cutler. I don't think the Jets' defense is actually all that bad. They didn't give up a ton of fantasy points what? in Week 1. They are pl- they played the Bills in Week 1, and they didn't give up a ton of fantasy Against points. Against the Bills! Okay, what Jay Cutler is like amazing all of a sudden. I, honestly, I think Adam Gase is trying He's to rain. I think Adam Gase is trying to rain Jay Cutler in as much as possible. I, I'm sure he'll have an okay fantasy day, but I don't have those high hopes for him. Jay Cutler cannot be contained by modern man. All right, Jeff mentioned a little bit of doubt for some players. Let's get to buyer beware. Buyer beware. 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 Right, we're running a little long this week, so buyer beware. Dez, who has you scared? All right, I'm going to mention a guy that a lot of people are in love with right now, Chris Carson, running back for the Seahawks. I know his line on Sunday looked good, 20 carries for 93 yards, and it sure looks like he's emerged as the leader of that committee, whatever you want to call it. They've looked for a starting running back, and he looks like he could be the guy. And I think it is likely that he is the guy. I just don't think it's over yet. People are, I think, getting a little hysterical over Chris Carson. You know, you have to remember that he wasn't all that effective during that game until the final two drives. He got 58 of his yards there. They really were wearing down the defense at that point. Thomas Rawls had five carries for four yards, which is terrible. But I don't think that we've seen the last of Rawls. I think they wanted to ease him back in. We could see more of Rawls this week. And for all we know, Rawls could reemerge as the head of that committee. Like I said, I still think Carson is probably going to be the the leader ultimately at the end of the day, but I don't think it's as lucrative a situation as some people seem to be envisioning. And that Titans defense is pretty tough. Uh, Shut down a a pretty mediocre Jacksonville offense, but still uh, showed up well last week. I'm staying in that matchup uh, for my buyer beware. Marcus Mariota going against Seahawks defense. I think Mm. maybe the best defense in the NFL this year. Uh, I think there is going to be tough sledding in, in, in both running and passing. Uh, I think Mariota's value right now as a fantasy player is tied up in, does he get a rushing touchdown? Does he have a sort of big breakaway run? I don't think the passing numbers are there. So I would, uh, I would avoid him this week. I see some red flags with Rob Gronkowski for the New England Patriots as they go in to play the, or rather, they welcome the, human, the Houston Texans to Foxborough. It has less to do with his injury than I think the Patriots are going to use him sparingly. I don't think they're going to need him a lot this game. I think they're going to win fairly easily and in the process maybe reduce his target workload. And if they get a big lead early, I could see him getting very, very limited touches. What to watch for. (laughs) Jeff, the Cincinnati Bengals have a new offensive coordinator is that why you're paying attention to Cincinnati? Absolutely. Because you're the only one. <laughs> let's see Let's see if there's uh, there's any value to be extracted here. I think, you know, the Packers' defense has, has uh, showed up well in Week 1, obviously struggled against the Falcons, which is one of the best offenses in the NFL. I think where there could be opportunities is in the secondary. Uh, A.J. Green out wide, uh, possibly a buy-low candidate if you can find, find the right trade there. Tyler Eifert I'm interested in seeing. And does Joe Mixon take on a greater role, or is there value in Gio Bernard as in PPR leagues as that passing downs back. So keep an eye there, see if there's any value to be found from the Bengals. This might be the most attention the world has paid to the state of Ohio since election night last year. Des, you got your eyes on Cleveland. Yeah, well, I mean, they've gotten off to a tough start. They've played the Steelers and the Ravens, so two tough defensive tasks. They get the Colts this week, who 
put up a bit of a fight last week against the Cardinals, but still, I'm looking for better things from a lot of Browns, specifically Isaiah Crowell, who's gotten off to a terrible start. Let's see if in a better spot he can actually produce some decent numbers because he was drafted to be a pretty good running back. You also have a very unsettled wide receiver situation with Corey Coleman out, so who steps into that number one spot? Does Kenny Britt stop loafing, mm-hmm. or does Rashard Higgins, popular waiver wire guy, Rashard Higgins, step up to the plate? So I'm just interested to see how that plays out and what should be a, a pretty good matchup for the Browns. Well, I'm going to have my DVR set to the Panthers and Saints. This is pretty much the Alamo as far as my opinion of Cam Newton as a starting quarterback this season. If he can't torch the Saints and put up numbers as he has in the past, it's definitely time to get him on the bench and possibly start considering other options as your starter for the remainder of the season because if you can't do it against this Saints defense, it's probably not going to happen. Yep. Well, that's it for this week. Remember to download and subscribe to this show on iTunes and Stitcher. You can check out all of our awesome Awesome, awesome fantasy content. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, including the (laughs) column where I advocated trading for AJ Green as a buy low. So I'm right there with you, Jeff. (laughs) All right, good. (laughs) Uh, You can find us all on thewashingtonpost.com. And remember, you can always reach us on Twitter. I'm at Mikey and Post. I'm at Des Beeler. I'm at Jeff Dooley underscore. Thanks for listening. See ya. See ya.